podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome on, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, the official podcast for Raider Sports and part of the 1012 Network. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And as we continue our series of Big 12 teams going into 2022 and doing a preview of all the teams within the Big 12, I had to bring on the people's champ himself, the guy that y'all all here listen to, and that is Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? Albert, it's actually been a really long day for me. Um, just appointment after appointment after appointment. Students with the world just crashing on their shoulders. And, I, you know, at the end of that day, I'm like, you know what? Eight o'clock, I'm out. And you, you, you messaged me, hey, man, we can do the Texas preview tonight. And I was like. You know what? There's a burst of energy coming from coming from somewhere. And so I'm here. I'm, I'm awake and ready to go. I'm excited for this one. Every time he's out, I pull him back in. That's, hey, that's so right. He was like, Slander, Texas, sign me up. I'm good to go. Um, so you know what this pod's all about. It is time to slander Texas. It's everybody's favorite time of the season. And because of that, I brought on a guy who is, uh, though we're going to slander Texas, I'm not going to slander him because he's a fantastic guy and a fantastic person. So thank you, Kyle, for coming on to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. That's right. Kyle Carpenter from Longhorn Pod. What's up, man? I'm just trying to get on the latest uh, TikTok trend of tortilla slapping. So I imagine you, you'll be slapping me virtually with tortillas. So I'm excited. Yeah, we came up with this name before tortilla slapping started. And I'm like, man, if we don't, if we only we were the ones to think of that, that would be fantastic. Seriously. Like, you, if you could find a way to even hop on and monetize now, I mean, just late stage, just, just nibble a little bit. This, it's got to be a big pot. That's, that, that's right. That's right. I mean, actually, I feel like that may be like a new tradition. Like maybe before we throw them onto the field, we slap your partner, you slap your neighbor and then throw them onto the field. Right. Like that's the kind of game going. So um, one team that was slapped around quite a bit last year was the Texas Longhorns on their way to a, a five and seven mark. Um, Kyle. Talk, walk me through that. It's Sark's first year. There was a lot of optimism coming into the season as far as Sark being able to take some of the success he had as Alabama to Austin. But the wheels quickly uh, fell off the car, the vehicle or whatever. And it really started in the third quarter of the Oklahoma game. I mean, just walk us through that season. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I was at that that game and, and I remember like going into halftime thinking this might be the greatest like feeling I've ever had from one half of football. And I think, you know, we flew too close to the sun and it really, truly melted Texas's wings in some, you know, just horrendous way. Right. Obviously the culmination of losing to Kansas, but it was, it was heartbreaking. Right. There was a, uh, the Oklahoma state game, right. They're, they're going to beat Oklahoma state. And then, uh, you know, now Nebraska's uh, starting quarterback, Casey Thompson just stares a receiver down, like from the huddle, like goes over, like mimics that he's going to throw him the ball, snaps the ball, stares, him down, throws an interception. Uh, they have like a 20 point comeback in that game that beats. And it just felt like we found just heartbreaking, brutal ways to lose Baylor. We had one player both fumble and have a, a touchdown pass go off his hands that both resulted in turnovers and immediate points. And I think that was a one score loss, right? Like with, with five consecutive losses, they should have beat the three best teams, probably four best teams in the big 12 last year. And, and just, you know, threw them all away in the span of about 25 minutes worth of football. So there's some hope that like, 
you know, if Sark can can get the script and the play calling and maybe some additional weapons uh, and then just execute and do it for four quarters and, and respond out of the locker room to what, you know, the defensive coordinators of the Big 12 are doing to him, that maybe it's not the worst five and seven because it's it's not just a season without upside and optimism. And you saw uh, a couple weapons uh, materialize. And if, if health permits and, and, you know, they take a step forward, there's things to be excited about. But five and seven, just... Brutal, uh, boys. I mean, it's it's as bad as is it can be. Usually, that record is is uh, in a loss to Kansas is enough to get a coach fired. But uh, it's the first year, so Sark's into into year number two. It it, it honestly can't go anywhere but up. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of going up, uh, if you look at Texas's offensive production since I don't know since uh, like 2013, like Texas has progressively gotten better every year, especially under the late, you know, uh, the late, that makes him sound dead. I'm sorry. The last year of <laughs> offensive coordinator Beck, uh, you have uh, Yersich, am I saying that right? Who cares? And then Flood. And, and so you have like Texas's offense production increasing. And we'll talk about their defensive. Uh, we'll talk about the defense in a bit. You know, when you're looking at Texas this year, Obviously, there's the gold star of like the quarterback and all that. Well, you know, besides that, besides the obvious, I'll let Albie talk about that one. That's his thing. He's the he's the pony boy. Um, you've got one of the best time. You've got one of the best running back tandems in the country, and B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson. Um, tell us a little bit about what fans uh, and what opponents should be looking at in regards to like who is who is stepping up for Texas offensively this season. Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious uh, name, of course, is Bijan Robinson. Like he, he last year, you know, th- there was some cratering of the offense in that second half, and a lot of it coincided with his first and then second injury, which held him out the last couple games of the season. Um, but you know, when he uh, when he was at a hundred percent, the stuff he was doing, and again, you look at highlights like the OU game to uh, relatively, I'm not going to call you a, a great defense, but decent defenses. Um, you know, he he was putting up truly Heisman numbers, right? If they could have found a way to have an eight win season, I think he still would have been in the conversation even, uh, and probably would have been healthy enough to try to go. But, um, B. John Robinson should with a, with a just regularly functioning team that gets a few wins. Um, have the type of talent that that he should be in that conversation, right? He'll, it, I think most draft experts have him as as you know one of the the top two running backs uh, being drafted next year. Um, you know, I think most have him in the top two or three uh, running backs in in college this year, right? There's uh, another guy at Kansas State who's who's probably doesn't have the NFL upside, but a great running back. And then you know, there's there's you can make your argument about Ohio State or or wherever you want that that who, who's going to come close. But whatever conversation you have, Bijan Robinson is in it um and he joins that legacy and and we we've had you know some some longhorn greats themselves come on our podcast and talk about where can he fall if it all works out and you know it's it's just looking at his production from a freshman season on and presuming that trend continues to go upward i mean he's on par with your you know cedric benson ricky williams guys who you know won doke walkers and heismans and long you know nfl careers so um uh, yes, it starts with with Bijan Robinson. I think hopefully the team is balanced enough to to let him out, get the legs out and run where, where teams can't just fully key him all the time. Um, and so that's where you know the, the offensive line, the quarterback, the receivers will have something to do. But you're right that it, it isn't just a one person group, right? Roshan Johnson, when Bijan was out, pretty much single handedly with other injuries and a non functioning offense, had 200 ish rushing yards against Kansas State and. and 
kind of drug them to end a, a six game losing streak uh, and not make it seven. Right. Um, they, they won their last game of the year to get to five wins, which is sad to say, and they didn't have Bijan for that. Right. So it's, it's Roshan Johnson is a fan favorite, a former quarterback who when Texas didn't have due to injuries and some freak accidents with, with recruits who didn't end up, you know, making it to campus with some uh, like, you know, life threatening injuries. Right. The, the, the running back room was so bad that Roshan kind of selflessly said, yeah, I'll do it. And now he's basically carved out, you know, the, the, the blocking, the, the kind of happily being the spell running back, doing all the other things. In addition to being a great running back himself, probably carved out a next level career for him. Uh, you know, like I, I would say if he's on another team, he's probably one of the top four running backs in, in the big 12 this season. So, um, one and two there, I think Bijan will get his touches and, and it, it helps for his NFL upside that he has another guy who doesn't make him get 40 carries. Right. So I think those two, and then there's a guy named Keelan Robinson who, who has, you know, he's from Alabama, has some great speed, did not get enough touches last year. And I think if they can get him figured out, if it's in the slot, if it's, you know, jet sweeps, if it's just a change of pace later in the game, he's by far our fastest running back, probably one of our, our top you know, four or five fastest guys on the team. Um, just a, a real speedster. So there, there really is a one, two, and maybe even a three punch. You know, let me tell you something. If there's any fan base that knows all about Texas running backs, it is a Texas Tech <laughs> fan base after uh, we know who Keelan Robinson is. Um, I know him specifically because of that game. Didn't really know him beforehand. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. they have another Robinson. I wonder if he's, oh, he's, okay. He's, he's, he just scored. Cool. Um, so uh, we were joking uh, well, before I get to this next piece, I do. I mean, Xavier Worthy is, is all world as well. He's he's going to be fantastic. Uh, but you do have a guy the Texas Tech fans are familiar with. Um, a certain guy there was getting recruited by two certain schools in the offseason. And he uh, decided to choose the, the one in Austin over the one in Lubbock. And that is Quinn Ewers. Um, and so Quinn Ewers is right now in a quarterback battle. We were joking before at the pod. As I say that very sarcastically and in air quotes, battle with Hudson Card. Um, let's face it. Quinn Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. And he would have been the starting quarterback for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I don't want to, I don't want to fool. I don't want to fool our fans and thinking it wouldn't be going to be that. Maybe the competition would have been tougher in Lubbock I, is, is kind of my argument, but he would have been a star. Quinn Ewers is Quinn Ewers. He's, he's, and I, and I, he had one of the best high school tapes I probably ever seen. It was incredible. It's actually, in my opinion, better than Arch Manning's. Um, so tell us about Quinn and what you expect to see from Quinn in year one at Texas. Cause as much as, as great as his high school tape looked, as great as everything is, we still haven't seen the guy play. So what are you expecting yeah. as a Texas fan uh, to see in Austin? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the limited things you've actually get to see that are quasi real football, right? He's played one spring game. Um, he had a, you know, a, a pass that neither of the quarterbacks on the roster could have dreamed of making kind of 60 yards airtime uh, underneath it, hitting a receiver in stride. I think everything changes with a quarterback who can do that in, in, in Sark's offense, right? Make the right read is the most important part of his offense. More than arm strength, more than anything is make the right read. Accuracy, probably second. But having that arm strength last year, Texas, uh, I mean, they, they're whew, they're passes over 20 yards stats are just like hilariously bad. Um, some of that was some drops from the receivers a little bit, um, but a majority of it was neither Casey Thompson nor Hudson card could consistently make the throw, especially when Thompson, 
you know, messed up a ligament in his hand in the OU game and kind of you could see his production uh, fall off after that. So uh, I think the ability to throw the deep ball, you saw what Texas could do against Tech when they, they you know, had a, an offense early in the season that was uninjured and, f- and functioning, you know, at, at the percentage that they, they thought they should, right? I think that was Texas's best offensive game. Um, I, I think Ewers comes in um, and instantly adds that element, right? He can make the deep throw. He has the ability to throw kind of off platform. He can move. He's not a, a runner per se, but he can move enough that Aaron Rodgers, right? A guy who just finds his way around the pocket and then can sling it through whatever window uh, is open, but can get it down the field 30, 40, 50 yards, you know, uh, off balance and still be, you know, not a bad throw, right? When he sets his feet, it's, it's you know, truly arm talent that I at the high school level I have never seen before. I think that's why he got the, you know, the second ever, perfect quarterback rating in high school. It's just, it's, it's, I've seen people who can throw the ball out of a, you know, stadium and, and it's just looks different the way, the way that he snaps spirals. And again, so Hudson card is in theory still in a battle, but I think Hudson just so it's clear is a fantastic kid from Austin, got hurt his senior year, came to Texas has really tried. I think he probably is a guy who will be a, you know, contributor somewhere next year. I think he will graduate this year from Texas and take his grad transfer. But you know, if, if Quinn Ewers gets injured, I think Hudson card is, uh, is going to be obviously the number two. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere, right? It's not one of those battles. I think he will stick out the year, but I think, you know, as much as Sark hasn't said it yet, every Texas fan knows it's Quinn Ewers just because of the upset. Right. Whether you have to play Alabama in week two and who's going to be the most ready to do that versus, you know, of course, everyone knows by week eight, Quinn Ewers is is well entrenched as a starter. It's just a matter of of if and when. And I personally think Sark's just going to name it from the beginning, get it done with, rip the Band-Aid and roll with the young kid. And and yeah, there's going to be some lumps, right? There's going to be some lumps. It is a step up, uh, even if he was at Ohio State. He didn't play meaningful snaps there. So this will be his first time really to be a live quarterback. And again, he should be a true freshman. He he enrolled early at Ohio State. So his his path right now, he should be coming straight out of high school at his age. So um, expect some, you know, some freshman mistakes to go with otherworldly talent. Well, Kyle, uh, I want to ask because I, I love the I love conversations about quarterbacks before the season gets started. Doesn't matter who it is, right? Uh, everybody's everybody's quarterback is throwing the tightest spiral you've ever seen. Yeah. Every everybody's quarterback got that dog in them. Everybody's yep. quarterback is to spend time in the film room, um, <laughs> except Kyler Murray. Except Kyler Murray. Uh, <laughs> here's joke. the thing. Great joke. Here's the thing. Nobody's getting hit though. No, but no quarterbacks getting hit. No quarterbacks getting actually pressured. Confidence exudes whenever you don't. Want, you can go to practice every day, and you don't have to worry about getting slammed. Um, something that the biggest if for me in this Texas offense is that there's the offensive line. The thing that keeps the quarterback's confidence up, right? I mean, for the past 10 years, Texas had a really hard time developing offensive linemen. Um, what is it like two linemen drafted since 2010. And for a program like Texas that you guys are just bringing in a bunch of high star recruits all the time. Uh, that's kind of a disappointment, like in my mind. And so you've got, I mean, like you lost, you lost Derek Kerstetter from last Kerstetter from last year. He was a huge piece, right? All big 12 tackle. Um, you, and you've got, you've got, it's kind of a, who was after him kind of thing. You've got good recruits coming in a couple of five stars, but when you're looking at this offensive line, Kyle, like what are, are you confident in them this year? What are you hearing? Or is it one of those things like Quinn Ewers is going to be a good asterisk <laughs> as long as his line protects him? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that very likely could be true. Your last question there. I mean, it, it also to go back to the, the two, uh, offensive line, they were both three-star tackles as well. Right. So it wasn't even the big recruits, right? They were both guys who were kind of the, what the rest of the big 12 schools do really well, which is take someone who's a slightly, um, either undersized or for whatever reason, doesn't get the big five stars and then develop them. Right. And Texas has just lacked that, that track record. A lot of their five-star offensive linemen recently have come in and busted and, and you hate to see that again, multiple offensive line coaches so it's not like it's one guy maybe it is the fact that it's multiple I will say you know Texas and, and Sark went out and swung big right Kyle Flood is, is the offensive coordinator Sark's calling the plays but he 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 wanted to lure him away from Alabama, right? He he basically has been, say, Bill Biedenbaugh at, at OU and, and, and Flood, and you could throw Mario Cristobal, I guess, in there. Those three guys have been the best offensive line coach in, in college football for the past five or six years, and Biedenbaugh's case probably longer than that. Um, so I feel confident that Texas has their guy, and you're starting to see the different, the way the recruits he's bringing in are built in size. So I think probably in three years, Texas line is is going to be incredible. All of that talent they've had in their first two classes since he's been there, incredible, right? Um, this year is going to be interesting. Um, I don't know that it's a pure asterisk, like, you know, that the offensive line last year got better as the season went on as much flack as they caught, but what they really got better at was run blocking. They, they did not uh, like Excel. Like, I, I mean, Christian Jones, who's, who's a player who I would love to see finally take a step up. He's a guy who didn't start like uh, he was a, a giant oversized soccer player. And you know, the story he's got great feet that way, um, but didn't start playing football until like, didn't really start pass blocking. Cause he was a running school in high school. Didn't start pa- pass blocking until he was 18. Like he didn't start playing football until he was 17. Um, he's a giant. He looks the part, um, but he was one of pro football focus is like lowest graded, uh, consistently starting tackles in the country last year. Right. And he was our left tackle. So that's, that's tough. That's, that's going to be a problem. Like they, the interior of their line should be okay. They bring back Jake majors. who's, who's started as a true freshman. I wish he could have had development curve time, but is basically, uh, going to be coming in, uh, as a second year player, you know what you're getting. Junior Angelo on the other side will be a guard. They don't know if he's going to play left or right. They've, they've worked him at both, but he's a red, red shirt senior. So he's been around the program a long time. His cousin, Patrick Vahe was the guard immediately before him. So someone from that family has played guard for Texas for the past six years um, and, and have been relatively solid. Again, both better at run blocking than pass blocking. Um, Hayden Connor's a guy from last year's class that's uh, taken a lot of steps up. Um, he's an aerospace engineer, so he's been like a favorite of our nerdy podcast for a while. I'd really like to see if maybe he can secure um, another spot uh, in the inside. But there is DJ Campbell, who, you know, was was like the number five player in the country uh, as an offensive lineman and the number one offensive line recruit in the country. So does he come in as a true freshman and start? Like, I bet by the end of the year he is by conference play, middle of conference play, I bet he is. And then Kelvin Banks is the tackle and tackle is our weakest need. I talked about Christian Jones. Andre Carrick's a little undersized for her. Pan just likes big blocks of human, uh, especially out wide at his tackles. So it's, it, it may be that Banks is the one, uh, again, himself, I think a top 15 player in the country, 20, depending which site you're looking at, uh, the number one tackle in, in last year's class. So like the expectations are through the roof for those two alone. I think by the end of the year, you could see both of them starting. And Gerald and I on our podcast, I always say it's great when you start a freshman on the on any position, but especially on the offensive line, because they're so good that they just 
jump the, de- the depth chart. It's never a good spot, especially at the offensive line when you start a freshman out of necessity um, because it is, you know, you can have freshman receivers, you can have freshman running back. You can even, as hard as it is, have freshman quarterbacks, but freshman offensive line, that jump is just so big. The, the guys are so fast, so good, so well-schemed on the defensive line and linebacker, you know, group that, that you're going to face that it just, it takes a good solid year to even understand the speed of what you're facing. So I do think one of those freshmen will start game one. I do think by again, like week six, probably both of them will be starting and, and you know, it's going to be lumps. Like they'll take lumps. They will pancake some of the best players in the big 12. Like they are going to physically be able to hang with the best in the conference. Like they're both that good and that far along, you know, that there's still more to come, but I, I think they'll have big plays, but they will also get beat, um, you know, in, in, in Texas fans and Steve Sarkeesian and, and Quinn Ewers at quarterback are just going to have to kind of, be ready for that. And and you saw half of the greatness of B. John Robinson that I started with was his ability, almost like a Barry Sanders kind of thing to make the first guy miss who was in the backfield, right? Like hopefully that doesn't have to happen. Hopefully that line can, they, by the end of the year, we're pretty good at it blocking, especially when Roshan was there. Um, they, they didn't make him have to do that as much. Um, so hopefully they can keep those steps and then really, really take big, uh, leaps in the past game and at least get to like average, right? I don't need them to be excellent. I don't need them to be above average. Get to get, get to average. If they can do that, then I think there's enough weapons. And, and Albie talked about Xavier Worthy, but there's a lot of weapons in the passing game that just given enough time to set back and, and, and you know, make, let these routes develop, I think it could be deadly. Nice. I like it. See, we almost got, we almost skimmed over that. And I was like, hey, what about the linemen? And look at all that, look at all that, that 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 there is there. It's such a big piece. It is such a big piece of Texas going. It's such a big piece of our team, if we're being honest. But like for Texas, it's like probably uh it's probably it's the biggest if on the offensive side. Now you're gonna talk about big ifs and you're gonna talk about the opposite of like uh, going up. Texas's defense. Let's keep this brief. Uh, since 2014, it's just gotten worse, right? Uh, you go from being one of the best, you know, one of the top uh, defenses in the Big 12 to, uh-oh, now we're we're a, we're a bend don't break kind of pass defense. Which you do an ex like Texas did an excellent job limiting uh, deep passes last season, but you know uh, teams that are really effective at uh, just chucking it short and getting downfield and then you know scoring it, it just it was it was a disaster. Um, give us just a really quick outlook of Texas defense this year. You got uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. The Big K back there who comes from Washington, right? Um, I mean, he had a great resume, sending 21 defenders uh, to the NFL draft over his time. Top rated defenses, but you know, at, at Pac-12 is different. This is the Big 12, and you guys are going to the SEC. So it's just going to get harder from there. So let's give us a little bit of taste of like what Texas' defense is doing different this year. Is there anybody to look out for? Yeah, I mean, Stark brings that SEC mentality, right? Their whole thing, not just offensive linemen. I think between offense and defensive lines, they took 13 players, right? They, they understand the trenches is where it will be won. And, and people ask, what's different about this Texas team and will be in the future? They've always had good recruiting classes. They've recruited skill positions well. They've really struck out on the offensive development. They've had some defensive linemen, they've not been able to always keep them. Um, but I, I think there, there's a again a change on on the type of player they're looking for. I think this defense is like in year one, if last year was year zero of a three-year project, there is going to be some transformation uh in the linebacker and and defensive line group. I think PK is is he has a task ahead of him, man. He, he really truly does. Um he, 
having that long of a time at Washington and some stability certainly helped the type of coordinator he could be. Texas has a reputation for chewing through uh, coordinators, right? DeMarvian Overstrom, one of our, maybe our best defensive player at linebacker has had four different coordinators like he's had he's played two different positions so he's had five different position coaches because he moved from safety down to linebacker like that's crazy for a kid and when you talk about development that's just it's awful so i i just want to see texas stop getting rid of people unless it's so bad and you know there is a gary size patterson shadow uh behind kwiatkowski and the message boards already have him fired by week six and patterson taking over as the defensive coordinator i, I mean we'll, we'll see right i i think just to give a quick view, the line has a lot of upside. Um, interior should be good, should be better. Texas, honestly, when you talked about big plays, they were most susceptible to gash plays up the middle runs. They gave up, you know, like 15 yard runs. Probably I'd have to look up the stat, but I mean, it felt like three or four times a game. Like they just were, were susceptible um, GT counter that OU does. I'm sure you'll see other big 12 schools crush Texas with that because it, it you know, they, they just look terrible, but they return most of their defensive linemen um, and they a lot of the talented guys are a year older. Some of the young guys are, are making noise and, and passing people on the depth chart, which again is is a good thing, I think. Linebacker is the biggest question mark on the team. I talked about DeMarvian Overshun. They're trying to drop him down to give edge rush because Texas ain't got it. Um, if he turns out to be a good, legitimate edge rusher, you know, a guy who started at safety can go all the way down to edge and be good. Um, that could do a lot for this defense. Jalen Ford, you know, a guy who only started two games and was our leading tackle last year if that tells you about our defense should be um that's a true stat should be uh should be a force in the middle and he seems to be kind of his ability to be middle linebacker is freeing up overshone the defensive backs are going to be interesting like again texas they have some talent there it will be very interesting about where they are um the defense is still going to be susceptible. Can they stop enough things enough times? I think they're going to be in some 35-42 shootouts this year. Tech fans understand those are fun games when your team wins them. They're terrible when you lose them. So um, we'll see, right? Like if the defense comes even 10% above my expectations and can be in 42 to 28 games, like it's going to feel a lot better, you know? So we shall see. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that you don't really have to worry about or really have to see is knowing that your team is going to infuse. I mean, the NIL money is coming fast and furious, and you saw it in the trenches. You're going to kind of already talked about in the trenches on O-line and D-line. And Texas is, I mean, y'all slanging cash. And I respect it. I think a big reason why y'all slanging cash is because I think every a lot of the a lot of the big boosters uh, have franchise consultants, and we can be like uh, like big boosters at Tech and Texas, and uh, hit up Adam Goldman, the franchise coach. We appreciate Adam Goldman for for being a fan of the pod and sponsoring this podcast. And uh, you can be like the boosters. You can be like these people that are shelling out twenty five thousand dollars for each Tech player and shelling out a hundred thousand dollars for each Texas O line player. You can be like that. But before you do all that, you have to have that franchise consultant, Adam Goldman at franchise coach net he is a tech grad he helps out other tech grads he's already helped out multiple tech grads this year find franchises of their own that's why you see all these franchises popping up all over lubbock it's a big reason is because of adam goldman so book a time with adam goldman at franchisecoach.net so we can have another nil group that's paying our players uh so we can you know get to the level because let me tell you something i will say tech tech nil and i was talking about this recently our nil i think is at a place where we have position ourselves a step above the Baylors, the K-States, the Oklahoma States, but we still ain't at Oklahoma and Texas level. Y'all are, y'all are, it's, it's, we're, we're positioning ourselves in 2024. 
with NIL, y'all have really positioned yourself much further. Um, but Adam Goldman's going to help us all with that. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, Corey. Hey, that's, that's my shame. <laughs> that's my, my my shameless ad plug, Jeremy. Hey, I, I, very, I love it, bro. <laughs> you can beautiful be a and too. natural read. That's I mean, and, there's no better ad read than than what you just pulled off right there. I, I had Kyle p- tuned wow. in too. He was he was he was ready. He was like, oh yeah, nil. Yeah, let's let's get into it. But no ad. I mean, I, I might be hitting him up for my first Lubbock based uh, franchise. So <laughs> there, there you go. It is a lot cheaper in Lubbock than it is in Austin. That is fact. Everybody, we will all tell you this. So there you go. First time I had to get a drink outside of Lubbock, I was very upset. I get it. I get it. Let me tell you. I get it. Yeah. But honestly, though, like with with the NIL and with the, the money y'all are willing to throw around, obviously, this offseason, I think having Joey McGuire, having a coach who legitimately is, is as respected as he is in the state of Texas, there's a reason y'all were in, a, you know, a Quinn Ewers recruitment. There's a reason uh, that y'all are, you know, started off so hot. One of the top five classes in the country, right, for for months will still finish really well. I think it, he he is going to keep tech relevant the next few years just because of his like connections across the state, regardless. So I think it was a in my opinion, fantastic hire. Of course, you know, all coaches are perfect when they haven't played a game yet, but uh, it seems like he's going to be a fantastic hire for y'all. Absolutely. Hey, 17th right now, 17th ranked class in the country for 23. It's still, we're still up there, which is impressive. Just landed a couple of uh, uh, four stars recently. Um, well, let's talk about, you, you do want to talk about Texas Tech. Let's talk about Texas Tech as it pertains to Texas, right? We got October, uh, no, September 24th, the end of September, uh, Texas is coming to town, probably for the last time in a while, right? Um, don't know what time, do we know what time that is? I don't think so. Uh, no, we don't have time later. No. <clears throat> hey man, let's hope that, let's hope that Texas Tech. It's gonna be a noon kickoff, let's be real guys. A, a noon kickoff, <laughs> 11 a.m. It's gonna be a noon, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, <laughs> No matter how it is, man, it's going to be a phenomenal game atmosphere. I know that Coach McGuire is going to be excited for his first Texas Tech Texas matchup. Um, tell us a little bit about like what are you thinking about with this matchup coming up? Because you've got two, you got Sarkisian is very SEC minded. Texas fans are very much like, hey, <clears throat> we're out of here, but like you know, let's make a stamp when we leave, kind of thing. But really, more concerned about the SEC. Texas Tech, on the other hand, I mean, you've got this is the biggest momentum that Texas Tech uh, as a football program has had in a long time uh, with a defensive-minded coach, somebody who's, like you said, very connected, making waves in the recruiting trails. Like we are becoming national news for a number of different reasons, uh, good reasons, right? Like, what is like, what does this matchup mean, like, to you? And like, tell us a little bit about how you're thinking about it, if you are. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it, just f- uh, full transparency. If, if Texas has one, maybe two more years in the Big 12, every Texas fan would love a chance to win, like at least make it to the conference title game, win a conference title. Um, coming off five wins, you would expect to say, well, it can't be this year. Uh, some coach, and I, I imagine it must have been Nick Saban, just ultimately trolling the Longhorns, um, gave them a first place vote, which is stupid. That should have never happened. I don't even think they should be ranked, but if they are, like, make it 25. Um, the, the, like... It, it could be this year with with so much transition, so much change in in the conference, right? Even the the best team in the conference, Baylor, lost a lot. So you know, like Texas, I think is taking the Big Twelve incredibly seriously, right? This is a, with a, with a down and and wildly off season shenanigans. OU, um, like you know, transition period with Iowa State losing ninety eight percent of all their important players, like with Baylor losing a lot, even though they they still have Aranda and. 
and have some great pieces like Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders being the only known entity at quarterback. And again, I love Spencer Sanders, uh, but I would not want to be an Oklahoma State fan who has to love Spencer Sanders because that's, I mean, he's going to give and he's going to take. Like, he's going to do a lot of great things, but he's going to give you a heart attack. So it's just, it's it's relatively wide open. My, my co-host Gerald calls it a crabs in a barrel kind of uh, season, right? Where where every Big 12 team is going to be pulling each other down. Um, I don't think you can, you can, you know, overlook anyone this year. I don't think like it, it's a relatively like plus or minus whatever percentage from top to bottom. So you kind of have to be locked in. It, this is the first big 12 matchup, I believe for both of us, but for Texas, for sure. Um, so I think there is going to be a lot of energy. We've, we've seen an uptick in the hatred uh, between the two teams, right? It feels like Chris Beard really ramped this up as a rivalry generally. So I think, you know, it's going to be a wild atmosphere as it always is at Jones stadium, but it's going to be a wild atmosphere. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, I was there for the little Jordan Humphrey game winner. Gerald was there for the Michael Crabtree, much more important game winner, but you know, and we, we've had some good games. Like I remember, being in disbelief for three hours after little people, big world when cliff Kingsbury pulled off some nonsense, oh, like, yeah. like, you know, these games are always, they're, they're either really good or just really intriguing for one team or the other. They're, they're never not interesting. I'll say that, but it being the start of the season, um, it will be, Texas will have played Alabama and UTSA in consecutive weeks. So like, Alabama's going to take it to Texas. Like it's going to be a lick your wounds against UTSA week. And, and then this will be kind of the first we're coming into conference. We've had an up, we've had a down, like, how are we responding? How are we going into, you know, conference play? And so it will say a lot about what this Texas team is. Of course, it'll say a lot about Joey McGuire and what his team is. I think this one is um, by virtue of being, you know, tech by virtue of being uh, the, the opening big 12 game. And, and again, just because Texas fans, probably coaches don't know exactly what to make of this team yet, right? Like how good the upside is there. Where is the floor? Where are they going to be on a, on a B game? Like when it's not their A stuff, how good can they be? And so we'll, we'll find out a lot. So this, this game and all the kind of first four or five are, are going to be as tuned in as anything this season. Well, another thing, sorry, Albert, but you talk about, you know, Alabama and then UTSA, Texas Tech has, It'll probably be, it very well might be tr- three back to back top 25 teams in Houston, NC State, and then at home against Texas. <laughs> First year of Coach McGuire. That's Welcome tough. To <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, that's that's definitely not easy. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, NC State could 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 be an interesting interesting matchup for y'all. I'm kind of, I will definitely tune in. I didn't realize that was the week before Texas. I will definitely be, uh, be grinding some tape on that one to see what I can, you can see what, uh, what y'all will be rolling out. But no, I, I, yeah, that's, there's some interesting, I don't think there's going to be uh big 12 having the uh, sunbelt slaughter like they did last year. I think like, again, everyone is going to be good enough that they should protect a little bit of the, uh, the conference pride for the first uh, few weeks. Again, Texas has to play Alabama and Alabama's real, real stinking good this year. So, uh, you know, not, not given any, any guarantees or bulletin board material there, but you know, if, if y'all can win a couple of those, we can, you know, come through with, with unscathed otherwise and, and, uh, Bay and Oklahoma State and Kansas State can all come in strong. It'll be like a really, I think everyone will be really excited about getting into conference uh, because there is, you know, like six legitimate teams who can win it. So, I mean, with that, it's it's time now to to, to quench all the vagueness and possibilities. <laughs> this is tortillas and takes, Kyle. I need your predictions. Yeah. What do you think the right. Texas Longhorn season equals at the end of the season? 
Oh, I think on the bell curve of possibilities, I think, you know, five or six wins is pretty much out. Like, I think they will make step up this year. I think seven is, is a disappointment. I think eight or nine feels like like the most likely, right? Like, I think eight wins is probably like, all right. But improvement. Let's see how, if those eight wins are the kind of the right ones. Especially, it's all right. Nine wins is a is a great season, no matter where you slice it, right? Like you 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 know uh, had five last year, so th- that's fantastic. I I don't think they get into double digits. It would it would mean that the offensive line took a step up and the defense like really held their own. Like I, again, and no injuries. Like all those things have to happen, right? Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, Quinn Ewers all have to stay really healthy on defense. Key players have to stay really healthy. So if all those things can happen, sure. Why not? But I think nine wins is like, is my slightly optimistic. Like we, if, if it's eight wins then we get the ninth in the bowl game, great. But nine wins would be a fantastic year. Eight wins feels like, all right, we're, we're good with that. Jeremy, what do you think? What do you, as the resident long, true Longhorn hater, I feel like you hate him more than all of us. Uh, actually, no, Kenzie, Kenzie hates y'all more than ever, all of us. Actually, everybody on our team, Kenzie, Kenzie, Kenzie is West Texas, born and bred from Abilene. She definitely, or from the Abilene area, I should say, she definitely hates some Texas Longhorns. But Jeremy, who, uh, uh, what, what is your prediction here? Uh, I like, I like, I like Kyle's like, you know what? Six, no way. Absolutely. No way. Um, for me, man, it, without knowing this offensive line right now, and honestly, like without seeing the whole thing of like Quinn Ewers never playing it down of actual like football. That's so hard, right? That is so, that's such a hard question mark. Yeah. You got the 1.0, you know, but what if he comes out and just stinks? You, it, oh God. I can see seven wins from this Texas team. Uh, I have a hard time. Convinced being, I, I have a hard time with games like at Kansas State, uh, at Oklahoma State. Like for those being in those places, um, those are good teams. Like Oklahoma State, not as good as like defensively as they ha- as they were like last year. Uh, still really good. And so it's, it, those are hard teams. And Baylor, man, I don't think I, Baylor. So I think set, this is a seven win Texas team if everything goes well. You know what's funny? Last year I made fun of Jeremy for um, for being very high on certain teams. Of like very and this year he has been completely like you. I feel like you've dogged like every team we've had here. <laughs> like big, I'm trying not to get slandered on the internet after the West Virginia incident. Yeah. Everyone in the conference has five wins. Does yeah. that mean Tech is undefeated? Like uh, I'm trying to add here. up wins here. <laughs> that might be the case. That's exactly what I, it is. I actually, Fair enough. I actually more so agree with agree with Kyle. I was looking at the at tech, at uh, Texas's team, um, and you know I. I Actually, I look at Texas and say, okay, well, you're not going to like the first place vote was pretty. Actually, it probably was Nick Saban, right? Like it probably was like, hey, you can't overlook that's them. my they have a first place vote, <laughs> you know, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, but also but it's not just them, though. The big the preseason Big 12. Everybody has this thought of Texas. Who knows? Texas, they're, they're y'all the boogeyman. Every year that nobody knows what Texas is, you're, people just put them up because you should be up. Well, Texas should be good. So we're going to bank them top 10 or top 20 or whatever. Um, I'm a little bit. I don't think y'all are gonna suck. I mean, you have to improve. There's really no. And and I say, and I kind of agree with you that though your team was five and seven, I predicted you to be seven and five at the beginning of the year. I still look at that same seven and five team and say, okay, that should this should improve. I have eight and four. I have as an eight win team, and I would have had nine and three if you didn't make the bad decision of playing Alabama. I don't know if when you scheduled this, you assumed you'd be at that level by by now. I think that's maybe the thought, <laughs> but. <laughs> 
Yeah, oops. You give yourself um, a deadline, right? Our project has to has to uh, you know be across the finish line by 2022. Yeah. Everyone remember, you know, it's so you, you give the it's like a good project manager gives that deadline. Yeah, that's exactly that's basically exactly what happened here because that's just not going to happen. So, but I'm going to go eight and four, six and three in conference, which is a good season. I think that's a, I think I, the, the problem with Texas fans, not you, Kyle. I think you're very level headed. But the problem with Texas fans, and I and I'm in many group chats, but I say this: Why do y'all do this to yourselves? Why do you have this expectation of, oh, we're going to be, you know, we're going to compete for the Big 12 title. We're going to, you know, compete, get a a New Year's Six Bowl. We're going to do this, that. That's the reason why you have heartache by the end of every year. There's been a couple of years. I'm like, yeah, Texas ended about where they should have ended, given their team. Right. Texas basketball. Last year ended about where they probably should have been. Actually, I think Texas basketball was actually even better than I thought they were going to be, right? But because you were predicted to be a top five team, everybody's like, oh, Texas sucked. I'm like, no, they were actually, they shouldn't have been ranked. Like, so it's, you know, so I think, I think that's, I think, Kyle, if you look at it and say eight wins, good. I actually think a lot of Texas fans would be disappointed with eight wins because of the idea. Cause, I do too. I, because a lot of, don't, don't take me to, to be the, the, <laughs> I'm in no way like a representative sample of Texas. If we have eight wins, people are going to be calling for Sark's job. Like that's just, it's a crazy environment. Like it, it really is how we live and it, it, it sucks. It's terrible. Like there is no chance for a good proper rebuild for getting, you know, the, the right, co- like, like continuity means so much in college sports. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like Herman won a sugar bowl and, and had a top 10 finish and he he got fired like the next year. Right. Or was it two years? But either way, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you <laughs> oh, it's, I, unfortunately, Texas that, came out of, unfortunately that sugar bowl will always be remembered by Sam Ellinger's we're back, which, you know, what's funny is I went into that game yep. thinking, man, Texas might be back until he said it. The second I saw him yep. say, I was like, Oh no, they're, they'll, they'll be cooked. The death knell. They'll be yeah. cooked next year. You're, no question. <laughs> absolutely not wrong. You're absolutely, I even think nine wins. Like if Texas gets nine wins, Texas fans will still see it as like it's a pretty disappointing season. It's it's ten or, or but and like that's crazy. Like we won f- again. I think Albie has the correct view. Like they won five games, but that was like the win percentage probability that they could have only won five was like two percent. Like everything had to have happened wrong last year for them to lose seven games, and it did. And not every year does that happen. I think that was a seven and five team last year, right? Um, I think we talked about Xavier Worthy, the fact that if if you know they brought in, I, I they basically flipped from the other UT from Tennessee, a player who both were Bolitnikov uh, watch list guys, both could, you know, end up being top five receivers in, in the conference pretty easily in Isaiah Nair. Right. And they complement each other. I think, you know, again, young five stars who aren't proven Jatavian Sanders could end up being one of the top five tight ends in the country. If not this year, by the time he leaves campus, right? Like he's a freak of an athlete. If Texas uses him. Right. So um, it's, it's, it's the, the upside is such a, if Jordan Whittington could stay healthy, that's a guy who was I like him. one of I the like 20 it. best high school players I've ever seen. Like He's it. such like a, a dog, but he he puts his body through it. If he could stay healthy for a season and they had four actual legitimate receivers to go with two legitimate, like elite running backs and even a quarterback unproven and a line unproven, you just have to think something's going to pop right with, with again, the best play caller in the country until proven otherwise. Like Sark schemes and stuff that you watch Casey Thompson under throw by 15 yards last year. Just switching Casey Thompson out for 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 Quinn Ewers makes me think you got two wins right there. And what else, you know, at each position group that I see improvement, it's it all comes down, like I said, defense, stay healthy and, uh, you know, offensive line be, be even just just middle of the pack. Sounds so great to hear Texas 
in a scenario that's so familiar to Texas Tech fans. Like, it's like, oh, is this the, the Texas Tech preview? Wait, no. No, wait, no. This is this is Texas. That's right. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's well, true. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been great. Uh, plug all your stuff, all your information. Let everybody know where they can find you and Gerald and the Longhorn Pod. Absolutely. You can follow me at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the podcast that we have uh, for for SB Nation um, at Longhorn Pod. That's the Longhorn Republic podcast, uh, but at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow me myself. You can follow my co-host off there as well, Gerald. He's he was on here last year. He's a good good guy. Um, you know, we we we're prolific in our tweets, but uh, we're we're fun, especially game week. Make sure you come over, interact with us, tweet at us. We'll we'll, we'll be petty a little. We'll go back and forth, but we're usually uh, we're usually not the I guarantee we're not in the top 10% of craziest Texas uh, humans you will interact with online maybe maybe you know nowhere near it but uh, yeah definitely give us a follow and uh, and if you haven't check out Albie a couple weeks ago I think two weeks ago was on uh, our podcast and was you know sparkling and pristine as always <laughs> thank, thank you I appreciate it um, if you want to go after like we like to do as Texas Tech fans laugh at Texas Longhorns after any bad situation <laughs> If Kansas beats Texas again this year, make sure to go to the long to the Longhorn podcast and listen to what they have to say. Easy, the most level-headed guys on the Texas side of things. I know most of our listeners don't really like to spend their free time listening to Texas pods, but we do like listening to Texas misery. And um, though I like you guys, Fair. I still like listening to your misery. So, uh, Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? Nothing, Albie. Take us out. All righty. Well, that being said, um, for Dylan, I will say, make sure to leave a review. If you listen to this podcast, leave a review. Great. Hey, greatest any stars you want. If you think we slip in a little bit, that's fine. That's okay. I'm not against it, but I know you're listening. I know you love us. So leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Uh, we really appreciate it. It goes a long way for us. So for Kyle Carpenter, for the people's champ, that is Jeremy Gillen. This is Albie Shore, and you've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast. As always, stay wrecked, people. Podcast Network.